0: Solo? Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. Communications, disruptions can mean only one thing. This is Jam Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast.
1: Welcome, everybody out there, both of you to another episode of Jam Transmissions. This is episode number 125, and I am your host, Mr. Rigby and Webba. Sorry, the music just ended really abruptly there. That was weird. Um, Friend, friends, we've got a lot to talk about this week. And I think what we're going to have to do is try to just speak really, really quickly. And I've got the right person with me because he's a fast talker. He's number 73 on my emergency contacts list, uh, is my good friend, uh, Jerry Cable from the Bomb Badcast. How are you doing, my friend?
0: I'm pretty good, man. Um, it's nice to know that I got bumped up from, you know, number 76 uh, finalists. So I don't know who else, you know, had to go for me to reach 73, but hey, I'm, I'm happy to be here. So thanks Se- for 70,
1: 76 and I had a falling out and uh, yeah, it was, oh, he yeah. said, oh. yeah. He said Maber Gascon was a slug, and I was like, eat shit, you're out. Jerry, you're out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how you been, man? Oh, man. Uh, you know, been living my best life, you know, working uh, for the man every day, uh, trying to, uh, you know, raise my Padawan to, you know, be a kind human being. And also, uh, I don't know, drowning in Star Wars content in the best way. I guess, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot that we have right now. We have a wealth of riches, a spoil, a spoil of riches. Uh, yeah, the, were.
1: uh, the contest has, uh, the, the, the content has been choking us so slowly. We haven't even noticed.
0: Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> we, we are, there's a literal, uh, boar gullet of content that is boar wrapping gullet. its tentacles around us. We don't even notice. It's boar just gullet. slowly, slowly content? entering our mind. Good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah potential spoilers for some stuff we're going to talk about later that voice um Mm. yeah man like i said uh, just just right up top there there's a lot to get into this week and i feel like i say that every week i think i was probably saying that when i was only talking about andor and absolutely nothing else (laughs) because there's so much that happens just in the episodes um but before before we get into um a lot of that stuff, and before we get into some of the random news bits this week, um, what's been going on with uh the Bombad cast lately? How are uh, how are you and Scotty doing over there?
0: Oh, well, you know, we're fighting right now, but it's fine, you know, like we sleep in separate bedrooms, um, but it is what it is. No, um, Scotty, well, we, we're doing a lot of we, we've we just <laughs> what you I was say,
1: say, he, he's been sharing a bed with Paul Stanley the last couple of nights, man.
0: Well, yeah, he's been on his cruise, so we, you know. In October, we've kind of made it our tradition that we, you know, us and, and Nerd Herder, we, we all kind of like to do like the spooky season, you know, even mm-hmm. though we're we're like Star Wars adjacent at this point, because we'll do Star Wars. There's a lot of content to talk about right now, but, you know, we like to talk about pop culture and different things like that. And, you know, we've kind of made it our thing where we do our Star Wars uh, creepypasta episode every year now. Um, I try, I, uh, for the same amount of years, uh, I try to put together a, a little Uh, episode to scare the pants off of scotty with an actual uh a quote-unquote actual uh encounter uh from you know like (laughs) real people apparently said they saw this kind of a thing it's it's very effective um this year we did the sally house which is a a very scary haunted house if you've never looked up anything about it look that up uh watch our episode actually Mm. um but yeah no so we've been doing a lot of spooky stuff and, and I scared Scotty so much. He had to go on a cruise with crit, with kiss <laughs> <laughs> with Peter, Chris, you know, <laughs> so, um, but him, yeah, he and his neighbor, Paul, uh, Paul Stanley's his neighbor. I don't know if you know this, they went on a cruise together and uh, just all the members of kiss are there. And Scotty's just having the most Scotty JRO time of his life right now. So uh, he's like, I believe he's actually back home on, on the time of this recording. But yeah, no. So it's that's kind of what we've been up to. We're just up to a lot of nonsense as usual.
1: Yeah. Scotty's uh, Scotty had a, a Folgers-fueled weekend with uh, Paul Stanley. Oh, man. Yeah. For anybody yeah, who doesn't I, know I, that I, reference, go on YouTube and uh, just put in Paul Stanley and Folgers and you'll see what that's all about.
0: Yeah. Or come watch our show when we have someone new on because we always, that's our, (laughs) that is our uh, trial by fire is the Paul Stanley Folgers commercial. (laughs) Um, Is it, is it a circus or is it, is it, is he a magician? Was he a ghost the whole time? No one knows. Uh, But Uh, all this doesn't make sense unless you've seen that Folgers commercial. Um, But anyway, it's going. And I wonder if, uh, if there is a trapeze on the, on the ship that Scotty was on. I don't know. There should be. What,
1: what if it was Scotty?
0: Oh God, this whole time, like I've been like podcasting, like there's like an empty chair on the other side. People have just been watching to figure out <laughs> when I figure out that I'm talking to a ghost. Like no one else can see Scotty. It's just me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Everybody's just like, it's okay, Jerry. Is Scotty in the room with you right now?
0: I don't know. Yeah, Scotty. Yeah. Where do you see him? Yeah, no. Like, <laughs> oh God, I hope that I'm not being, <laughs> I'm, I hope that I, I'm not doing the Clint Eastwood uh, for like the last three years, that would I don't want to just be talking to an empty chair for the last three years. Please no, please God no. The less the the less the least racist, the less racist, uh, uh Clint.
1: <laughs> Jeez. All right, so let's uh, let's let's already just, we'll, to thing. Yeah, we're we're gonna talk about the Sixth Sense now, it's starring Jerry Cable. Uh, yes. just you with a blanket pulled up to you, with cold breath coming out of your mouth. I see, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, you guys had me on the show. oh, That had to be what, two or three years ago. Now it was, it was a couple years yeah. ago.
0: That'll never um, happen again. <clears throat> no, it's <I'm>
1: <laughs> And uh, well, you know, I, I I have a confession to make concerning that because
0: oh,
1: okay. <clears throat> before before the episode started, um, I, Scotty had sent me all the show notes that what things that we were going to talk about and some of the questions were right laid out in there, whatever, as one should do. Um, I clearly didn't send you anything, but. Um,
0: That's how I do it. No worries. <laughs> when
1: when I, I looked at the notes for a second and then we started the show and like things went off the rails as they do when the three of us get together. Um, Always. But I, honest to God, it was maybe a couple of days after we recorded, I went back to look at the notes because I'm like, I, I seem to think that there were a few things we didn't talk about. And I didn't even I stupid me. I didn't scroll the entirety of the notes. So there was, I didn't realize that there was a ton of other stuff that you guys had put in there. Addy's
0: very thorough. That's what, where we differ. Either
1: way. The point is it was derailed so much. I think we only got through like two questions. <laughs> I did. I didn't even bother to look at the rest. Of, I didn't even know. I didn't. I thought the the, the thing ended like the, I think, like, the the page had, like, a scroll break, like, a page break in, and I just stopped it, yeah. like, oh, okay, cool, and didn't scroll the whole thing, and so kind of like self sabotaged the whole – because that show was so bonkers. I don't we, – we went off the rails so quickly. Um, it was uh, – <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I'm never going to – these guys are never going to want to talk to me again.
0: Right. And, <laughs> no, and, and here we it, are. Look, and well, and, and, you know, two, two, three years later, however long, uh, you see now that we never, I don't know why Scotty still does the notes because we <laughs> go off so often, which is what we're so we, like, we're like, luckily we have that chemistry. We know like when we can like go off script and everything and kind of like do our, do our business and then come back to something, you know, if you if something's better than what you've got written down and it's happening, like you go with that. That's just, that's the yeah. nature of it and all. And so, um. It's nice to have a helpful guide, and I don't do that when people come on Bombadcast. When Scotty's not there, when Scotty's away, Jerry will play, and he will do as little work as possible. <laughs> um, so we, like we, I had uh, my sibling, uh, Boop, uh, from uh, Nerd Herder on with me this mm-hmm. last week. We did kind of our soft launch of our our podcast that we said is going to be happening soon. Um, uh, we we uh, are going to do like a little weird, spooky podcast called Weird and Out uh, check. Look for that someday. It'll happen. You guys have to hold us accountable. Um, but yeah, no, there were no notes. We just kind of dove right in. And uh, that's that's how that's how I like to roll, Rick. So you listen, you're amongst friends.
1: Here. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, and, oh. and for how this show has kind of changed and evolved, um, you know, since I've kind of taken it over by myself. This is a conversation show. We're just talking. You know what I mean? Right. It is nice to have some some uh, some bumpers. So we're not throwing gutter balls, but um, it is still uh, <clears throat> nice to have a little bit. of. Pre- we're going to talk about some things. I have a list of topics and I've, I've shared those with you, but to everybody else, um, you're going to you're going to learn as uh, as Jerry learns some of this stuff. So let's get into uh, some of the news stuff uh, for the week. And um, there was um, there was a convention, I believe it's probably still happening right now in London, uh, The the MCM in london and uh star wars news wise there was a little bit of stuff just on the collecting side um that we'll bring up but i do want to bring up as for collecting whenever i get new stuff i like to talk about it a little bit on the show so i only have two things that i want to share one of them is the shirt that jerry has seen that i'm wearing right now it is uh the blast points light and magic shirt that they had uh that they put out a couple weeks ago they were uh super Um, and, uh, Jason from blast points, uh, lives so close. He just walked it over to me and, uh, <laughs> he, you know, he, 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 drove it and then just threw it out of the car and he was like, here, nerd. And just kept going. Yeah, he like was the, like, my, my star Wars is better than your like star the father Wars. Father of the driving. paper
0: boy, you, you know, who like yeah. missed that morning, you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: I kid Jerry, uh, Jerry, uh, Jason's awesome. But yeah, I did get that shirt. And then, uh, I meant to bring this up last week and I completely forgot about it. But uh, my signed copy of uh, Path of Deceit came in um, a couple of weeks ago. And um, just to, so you can see, I always post these up on Twitter, but there's uh, signatures are in there. Tessa Grattan and oh, uh, Justine Ireland. Um, anybody, you hear me talk about it, the hardcover hashtag hardcover army on Twitter is where you'll see any of the signed books that I get. Um, and uh, I'm going to say, whenever I talk about books, I'm going to say this the Amazons of the world do not need your money. Find the local bookstores that these authors. Um, promote themselves. Um, that's how I get a mm. lot of these signed books. Uh, not only do you, are you getting yourself an awesome collectible, but you're helping a small business uh, kind of thrive a little bit. So um, that's it for collecting Absolutely. for me. But on the collecting front for some stuff that's going to be coming out, uh, it looks like next year was a lot of the release dates for this stuff. Um, at the MCM, there was um, a, a Hasbro panel. And with that, um, there was a new uh, group of black series and uh tvc figures that are coming out tvc stuff i don't collect i don't do you get into any of the three and three quarter figures at all or no
0: i did when i had a little bit more cash uh like a year or so ago uh i i thought i was going to get into it in a big way Mm -hmm. um but yeah no i uh i've always been kind of a black series guy and uh, you can for the listeners you you know uh, you can't see this but rick can see like i've got you know, a couple of them right here, just when the arms reach, I've got like a Gamorrean and Zeb. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I've got like, you know, I've got Han and Luke with their, uh, uh Hoth gear down here. Uh, nice. And I've got a big crate of them under the bed. Uh, so that's, yeah. Yeah. I, i I'm more of a black series person. Um, I haven't been able to get any in, a, in a while though. Like again, you know, it's you, life. Life comes at you fast and you gotta, you know, you gotta, uh, apparently you need to, you need money for food and uh and, and shelter as you well you plastic so yeah i stay as my stomach growls <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i don't know if that was picked up on mike but nope, that was a long hear. one
1: didn't hear well there you know <laughs> all right so real quick so uh, sometime last week or the week maybe late the week prior we saw the uh, return of the jedi 40th anniversary black series figures that are coming out and the only one right now oh, that wow. i know is up for pre-order is um there's uh, a Black Series Admiral Akbar, and I think oh, God. I think the um, at the MCM in London they had an exclusive that had like a foil card. Um, I'll show you the picture of it, Jerry. Oh, okay. But it's this figure. Ooh. but this is the standard version I'm showing Jerry. Um, and you can find these Just go to yak face. Every toy ever is on yak faces, Twitter uh, oh, yak face is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, they even but let was me a...
0: know when I've missed out like 10 minutes after the thing goes up, you know, yeah. like, like, good, oh, yeah, it's also good out. on no. you. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> but yeah, I think they had like a, like a foil card, like a backing card variant of the, of this one at the MCM, but some of the announcements that they had, um, So they have um, the ones that they come boxed that you can fold out the front. So it kind of looks like a book. Um, Those three that are coming out, there is um, a scar squadron trooper scar squadron. Mike um, is coming out. The picture I have here is kind of blurry, so that's not going to help you much. Um, There is a Mara Jade um, from the uh, dark force rising comic book adaptation from the nineties. And then there's another Afra that's coming out that has like this cool poncho uh, I'm trying to remember exactly which comic Ooh, run. It's we love from. a cool
0: poncho on a star Wars character. Sorry. Yeah. That's, here oh, I'm, I'm going
1: to show, I'll show you the picture again. Look on yak face. You want to see these things. That's the box art that I'm showing Jerry right oh, that's now. Rad. This is excellent podcasting. Um, here's uh, the box <laughs> itself as it opens. Um, the only thing I don't oh, that's like. That's really about cool. These,
0: yeah. The, we're great at this, at this, this podcasting is of course a visual medium. Um, it is. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. didn't know that? And,
1: and there's the upper figure that uh, you can
0: see. Oh, it. wow. That is that is rad.
1: Yeah. No, so, I
0: love the shoulder pad, the, like the, how the shoulders kind of go out a little more mm-hmm. uh, on that poncho. And again, if you've read the comics, I'm sure you've seen this look.
1: Yeah. But the only so, thing I, I'm i not too you have keen Google, on. Google it. Yeah. The only thing I'm not too keen on with these figures in particular, again, the, the box opens in the front and I've got. The droids version of Boba Fett opens like that and the um, Boba Fett in disguise, the all black Boba Fett, they both open like that. The Boba Fett from droids has a plastic window on it. The Boba Fett in disguise does not have the plastic window on it. These new, these new ones, the box opens up and it's a flat picture of the figure that's inside. They could have just completely cut the window out um, uh, and just had the figure inside but I guess I, if, these are, if these are going to be in stores, maybe they don't want people to, to be able to rip them out. I, I guess there's all kinds of problems with the windowless boxes anyway. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but so those three were announced. There's also a black series, um, Bastila Shan that's coming out. Bastila Sean's from Knights of the Old Republic for anybody who doesn't know. And uh, there's also a black series Malik that is coming out, Darth Malick. Um And, Darth Malak for anybody who doesn't know has this big like jaw piece that covers the entire front of his face. Um, I want to say Malgus had a similar thing too, but Malak, uh, here, I'll show you the box art so you can kind of see a little bit of uh, what his face looks like there. Um,
0: I have to say, I don't know much about like, I mean, I, I know well. I tried, I tried and, and failed to play, uh, Knights of the, the old Republic whenever it mm -hmm. came out back in the day i'm i'm excited for the new uh updated version that i you know i have to get one of those uh you know uh those mythical ps5s that i still don't believe exist yeah i've never seen one in real i I take that back i have seen one in real life uh but i think that's the only one um but yeah no uh malik though the figure i saw the figure i'm not very familiar with the character I love the look of that character. In in figure form, it looks a lot nicer. It looks a lot more like menacing.
1: Yeah. The the pictures that are online that were at that were shown at the convention, so like I say he's got that big trap jaw from He-Man looking thing on his face. Yeah. And there's one picture where it looks like he like it's removable. Um and there's a picture of him in profile. Let me try to zoom in on this, but it's like My man does not have a lower jaw under that thing, and it is. I was gonna say,
0: oh my god, that is. uh, See, I thought that's what it was, but I was like, I was not ready for it to be, uh, to be like that side of like the that that one poor girl from The Grudge uh, who gets her jaw ripped off. Um, (laughs) I was not, I was not ready for it to be that. That's horrifying and awesome. Um, Yeah, it's freaky. Yeah, that's great. I love that.
1: Yeah. So pre-orders for these guys go. Lightsaber for injuries. Some... Yeah, I don't even know if that's what it was. I don't remember Malik's story. If it's a, it was a lightsaber thing or not, or if like Revan was like, you talked to damn much there... and just grabbed his jaw and ripped it off.
0: We God. We we uh. There is a a a horrifying undercurrent of lightsaber injuries that we are not getting because star Wars is a PG, PG 13, mm-hmm. uh franchise and everything. And, and there are so many horrific injuries you could get from having a laser sword. And so, um, yeah, I love that. We're getting that finally. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Something. Yeah. We've gotten that, but we're getting it in figure form now, which is horrifying.
1: Yeah. And, and just r- real quick uh, pre-orders for these go up November 1st. Um, so that's uh, in a couple of days as we're recording. Sometime in the afternoon, again, go to YakFace. face. You'll find all the details there, or, um, you can just stalk the Hasbro website. Cause I think they're all going to be available there. I don't think any of these were exclusives. Um, but don't quote me on that. Again, check out yak because Uh, Jason, I'm sure has all of the, um, all the deets on that. So last week, Sunday, um, we had, uh, a kind of a strange bombshell kind of a story that came out at us. And I, I think it was either deadline or the Hollywood reporter that broke this first, but uh, originally this story came out and this goes back to maybe March. I think is was when this rumor first popped up that Damon Lindelof was going to be helming something star Wars related. If he's going to be writing <clears throat> a movie or he's doing an outline or something for a movie, but some somewhere the rumor popped up that he was doing something within star Wars. Sunday night the story came out that a director was picked for the movie uh, in Charmin Obaid Chinoy uh, who is a very well-decorated director Uh, she's won a couple of Academy Awards um, for documentaries that she's done Uh, we may know her in the nerd space for having directed two episodes of Miss Marvel so that's cool but then Monday an article comes out on the Hollywood reporter that says that there was a, a secret writer's room, right? That this writer's room happened after celebration Anaheim. Uh, and in the room was, um, a writer by the name of Justin Britt Gibson. Now I'm not familiar with Justin. Um, I'm looking at the article right now and I'm trying to see what, um, Oh, okay. So Justin was one of the writers on, the TV show, the strain, uh, which I believe was executive produced by Guillermo del Toro. Um, the strain was based on a series of comic books that came out prior. Um, we watched the first season of the strain. I don't know if you're familiar with the Jerry.
0: I've, I'm familiar with the, uh, the show. I've never <clears throat> watched an episode though. Like I know what you're talking about. The vampire esque yeah. show. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was very freaky. These vampires, like, like they had these really long tongues and then it was like a sucker at the end of the tongue. It was very gruesome, kind of like body horror almost, yeah. but it was a TV show. So it, it had its humor, um, which was like, you wouldn't think it would fit, but it did fit pretty well. Um, but some of the other details that came out of this thing with this supposed quote unquote writer room, this was all rumor guys. Nobody knows who was in the room. Nobody was in the room when it happened Right to get into some Hamilton. Right. Um, in my, in my absolute <laughs> love of musicals, we were talking about off mic a little while ago. Um, <laughs> but, um, The writer of this thing, uh, Boris Kitt, uh, who, you know, the track record seems to be pretty good, but there's a couple of lines here that that I'm going to throw at you, Jerry. So this one here says, um, and I'm reading this directly, says Dave Filoni, a protege of Star Wars creator George Lucas, who is involved in many of the shows, may have also been present.
0: Ooh. But that is...
1: what it doesn't say is that he may not have been present. It's a very speculative line. You know what I mean?
0: It's very much, that was the most intriguing part of that as well Is like, okay, what we've got Filoni in there as well. Um, Possibly, possibly. But yeah, like you're saying, we we don't, we, it's very speculative. It's very speculative. And Dave doesn't have to be in everything. Uh, But it's interesting if he was.
1: Yeah. The, the other uh, interesting thing here. Uh, the holly Boris, so my, my good buddy Boris says, uh, and I'm again qu- quoting the article, it says, and sources say that the story would take place after the events of 2019's Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, although it would not be a continuation of the Skywalker saga. It could, however, feature some of the characters from the Star Wars trilogy made in the 2010s. What an awkwardly phrased sentence right at the end. You could have just said the sequel the trilogy. The 2010s. Yes. The, yes. yes the, <laughs> like, it was, like it was 100 years ago or something. Um, so yeah, those are the two big, like speculative things about it, that Dave Filoni may or may not be involved. And that this thing may or may not be taking place after episode nine, the article also does go on to say that again, sources say that some of the characters from, uh, the sequel trilogy may or may not be involved, but they would not be the center of whatever this thing is. It's supposed to be a standalone with the possibility of sequels. So what do you think? Did you watch lost or Watchmen men? Um, to kind oh, of get a grasp on both. like both.
0: Both. And I, I um, lost was one of my first, that was the, one of the first TV shows that I fell in love with and, and watched over and over again, despite the fact that again, it was back in the day when you had to pad out a season with 20 something, 45 minute episodes. Mm-hmm. Um It's just, it's, it's a lot like you know you want a lot of content but but you know it 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 is kind of it's it's daunting to if you want to rewatch that kind of stuff um but i lost was one of my first loves i love that show um mm-hmm. it was kind of one of the first i feel like that was one of the first introductions uh, into like primetime television of being cinematic you know mm-hmm. like here we're we're having a very cinematic story go on here and I, I was turned on to lost because I really liked JJ's first series or well the first series I ever watched by JJ was alias that was yeah. also on ABC and this came mm-hmm. out shortly after alias and again it was more Lindelof and things like that right um, but uh, then you talk about the watchman series though that Lindelof did and I I actually really enjoyed the uh, adaptation by Zack Snyder you know mm-hmm. if you say what you call me a Snyder bro if you will I'm not but you know, I really enjoyed that version of Watchmen back in the day, um, and Lindelof did something with it that was—he took—I don't know, like so, like something that was already so like he he very much kept more to the spirit of Watchmen than even the uh, more so than the Zack Snyder uh, adaptation did. Like it felt like. Lindelof, what he did with the Watchmen series in continuation Mm -hmm. of from the comic book and everything, like it was like a sequel to the comic or to the to the graphic novel. Um, It's uh, it was it it elevated it, not elevated. It was it felt like it went right along with because like the that series was very um, the comic was very ahead of its time. It was very. You know, pushing ideas of you know, like like holding a mirror up to society at the time, and I feel like that's what the Watchmen series that he did uh, recently has done mm-hmm. for this society. It kind of progressed past all that, like where it had like the uh, was it the 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 massacre in Oklahoma and everything yeah. kind of as a backdrop, and absolutely uh, bringing that to the forefront of a lot of people's minds. Who like you know, I didn't get taught that in school. You know, like, mm-hmm. but it, it, again, it was brilliant to I love that's what Watchmen did is it took actual things that happened in justices and brought them to a superhero medium and everything. And, and uh, I don't know. It excites me to have Lindelof involved because I think Lindelof has a very and again, I haven't seen all of his stuff, but most of what he's been involved in. It's very high concept, but but in an like a. a I've said elevated many times, but in a very elevated sense, you know, it's not, it, it doesn't feel like popcorn just for the sake of popcorn, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm not like super, like I, I've never seen lost. Um, and I know to a lot of people, they would say like, well, like that's to your Dutchman because it's a good show. It was one of those things that as it was coming out, um, like time was an issue. I wasn't really watching a lot of TV when it was on. And like you said, to, to try to go back and rewatch it all now and still keep up with everything that we're trying to watch, especially this fall with like five different, like really cool shows that have been on. Like there's no, no way. Yeah. Um, but, uh, we, we did watch the watchman. Um, I want to say Lindelof did, um, Prometheus. Um, I found not mistaken. So was he,
0: <clears throat> was he involved in that?
1: I think he was, um, and you know, I didn't mind it. it Prometheus was fine. Um, but, uh, as far as this writer, Justin Brett Gibson, I'm not all besides the strain, I'm not super familiar with, um, with what he's done. And I know the other big Lindelof, uh, series that people seem to be really grasping onto or did was, um, the leftovers. Um, and that's another show that I haven't watched, but I hear it's really good, but, you know, and this is one of those things that it again it's it's very kind of rumor filled, so take it with a huge grain of salt. Um, and I was kind of thinking when this came out last week that since the rumor seems to be more pretty substantiated by this article, at least that that he, this writer, and this director are all involved, um that yeah. to that today we would get like some kind of surprise drop announcement that like, hey, damnlet, like officially, uh from Star Wars that he's doing something because today as we're recording dear listener uh is the 10th anniversary of the Lucasfilm sale to um to Disney so I was kind of thinking anniversary, that, yeah um to a lot of people that was uh that was doomsday um but um uh, whatever it is what it is but um yeah I just kind of thought headed in my head like at some point today there was going to be a um announcement to say like Dame Olendlov's doing the next Star Wars thing, but if you believe the rumors, Kathleen Kennedy was told like, "Hey, stop announcing things because uh, there's been issues." I don't know if I believe that story, but I didn't, whatever. That, that's another thing. I don't even want to talk about that. But let's let's move on from uh, from this story again. It's all speculative. Take it how you will. It seems exciting. The most exciting thing about it is that we'll probably get another Star Wars movie at some point, regardless of who's doing it. Right. We don't know what what's happening, but. Um,
0: well, the exciting thing about it again is that it was The Hollywood Reporter, right? Yeah. That, that put this out. And <clears> so that's, that lends it a little bit of credence. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's, hey, yeah. grain of salt, babies.
1: Yeah. So this one was uh, a little tiny nugget that popped up, again, from The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, this was uh, Seth uh, Abramovich. Uh, he had a little interview with is- Oscar Isaac, Oscar Isaac, Oscar Isaac, um, and, uh, and and two of his... Um, compatriots who are, are working on a a comic book um that uh i don't have the name up here um oh it's called uh, Head Wombs, uh sparrow is the name of this thing now that's kind of not i mean that's cool he's another actor who's getting involved in a comic book space sam jackson's done it keanu reeves has done it Co- you know jj abrams did a spider-man thing with his son that failed um but it's it's been out there um, that, you know, actors are getting into the scene, But right at the very, very end of this article, um, there was a question that was posed here. It says, um, where is it? This is how prepared we are here. It says, uh, beyond that, uh, anything is possible as far as his, oops, as far as his um, being involved or finishing up with head wounds. It says, anything is possible, including the possibility of climbing back into the Millennium Falcon. When asked if he would consider reprising his role for Poe Dameron, either in, Star, in a Star Wars feature or as a Disney plus series, Isaac smiles and says, yes, I would consider it." So
0: ooh, ooh, the story
1: juicy yeah the story was like maybe a little over a year ago he was asked he said no um, he was like, no, not, not unless I need to buy another house." I think it was kind of the, the gist of what he said.
0: yeah um, he was he was tired <laughs> of it. Yeah
1: um, but we're starting to see if we lump this in together with the Lindelof thing. Where the Lindelof thing yeah. says that there's essentially this rumor that sequel characters could be involved, right? So not only do we have this little morsel from uh, Oscar Isaac, we have um, John Boyega kind of softening his tune about whether or not he would come back into Star Wars some way. Um, oh and then yeah. you remember the story earlier this year where supposedly Daisy Ridley had lunch with Kathleen Kennedy. Now, right. It was just lunch, right? Yeah. That story came out. I want to say close to around the time that the Lindelof rumor first dropped, mm-hmm. back in March. I think I think it was around that time. I might have my dates mixed up a little bit, but let's just say the you know the people have been talking to people, right? And this Lindelof thing is right. kind of coming to fruition right now. You kind of you think there's been some wheeling and dealing where Kathy's kind of like, hey guys, listen, we know you don't want to commit to doing another Star Wars thing. You guys have already moved on with your careers. You're doing spectacular stuff. Um, But if we throw you a a big bag of money with a dollar sign on it, maybe maybe I'm going to stop in, take a walk through the Falcon for a minute or two and just get our story off the ground.
0: Yeah. I mean, it it might even... uh, Listen, and bags of money are very persuasive. um, But also the possibility of who creatively might be involved could be a fairly big factor and everything you know um Mm -hmm. i'm not sure how a lot of people feel damon lindelof feels like it feels like he has a good standing with a lot of people uh in in hollywood and stuff like that so i'm not you know again i'm not sure what anything goes on you know in the in the Behind the scenes, we don't, with we don't a lot of stuff. We don't know anything, man. Music-
1: we're, we're we're a couple of nobodies from Michigan. We live in a mitten.
0: Yeah, we're we're in Michigan. Yeah, there's no way we don't know. Yeah, we're up here, in the Florida of the North, keeping it real. But <laughs> um, but like, it seems that Lindelof he gets attached to a lot of stuff, and and I don't like it, and not just Lindelof. You know, again with the directors that could possibly be involved and everything. You know, the writers. Um, I think that. Could do a lot as well to change the tune of a lot of these, you know, these actors who I think they enjoyed their time. I think on, it, it, I don't have the proof of this. It feels like they got tired of the online discourse mm-hmm. that was horrific for the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just as horrific. But like, you know, when we were offline for the prequels, I remember that stuff. That was bad as well. But to have it fully online for the sequel trilogy, it's a lot to go through. And and why would you want to come back unless, like you said, it'd be big bags of money. Very persuasive. Maybe we've got a story. Damon Lindelof is very good at story, I think. He's good at concept. And maybe they came up with something that is, you know... maybe knocked their socks off, you know, maybe persuaded them like, Hey, you know, you need to come back. Cause we can give your arc justice, you know, like maybe I'm, I know fit, maybe, uh, John Boyega, maybe we're going to get a little more, uh, uh, maybe they told him, Hey, you, you can be a Jedi and we're going to make you a Jedi in this thing. You know, they've already all but confirmed that he is a Jedi in the, uh, uh, what is it? The terrifying tales that we had, or was it not well, terrifying the, tales? It just was any uh, of the the LEGO summer stuff. vacation. Yeah.
1: Summer vacation. Yeah.
0: Yeah in the Lego stuff, like I've been loving the Lego stuff. I'm ready to have, uh, not that I don't love the Lego stuff. I'm ready to have sequel trilogy content that is not Lego. I'm ready to have them back. Um, That's in fact, what excites me the most is because they had these characters that I love and I, I want them to come back. I want to see Ray's journey past Mm -hmm. the legacy of these, these older characters. I want to see them come into their own. I want to see Ray have her own story. I want to see, um, I want to see, you know, Finn and Poe, like I want to see them be the big 3 and and do their thing. Um and controversial, um I'd be okay with uh one Mr. Ben solo uh making a return because, you know, he's at least a force ghost cuz he did like he he left his clothes behind. So either he's just naked in the afterlife, you know? Um Some people would be he, okay with that. Some a lot of people would be okay with that frankly. Yeah. Like there's yeah. and I've seen that A lot on Twitter even when I didn't mean to you know like I'm not going to look for (laughs) there Um, and that's not disparage I'm not going to yuck someone's yum but like I have always been uh, I towards the end did ship Raylo and stuff I I was like hey Ben Solo and Ray it's clearly there Um, I'm down for it let's go for Mm -hmm. it I want this love story and I thought it was odd that he disappeared but didn't show back up and so to me that that either feels like a discrepancy or a setup. And so, Hey, maybe we're going to get a little bit of, uh, uh, who knows if we can talk Adam driver into coming back. Um, because the man's very serious, but, uh, I would love, I would love to have him back as well. You know? So like, I, th- these are sky high hopes, Rick, these are sky high hopes that I want for this. <clears throat> I'm so excited for this project. All right. Whatever. I'm going to,
1: I'm going to, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you down just a little bit. Okay. Please I don't bring dis- me down I don't disagree with anything that you've said. All right. I'm not uh, personally like I'm not the biggest Kylo Ren, Ben Solo fan. People are. And that's that's just where I'm at. But. um, We can. okay. we'll we'll talk about that in a second. But what I had in my head that you guys don't know how I'm gesturing or anything. But one of the things in the article says that the story, while it may take place after episode nine, it's not going to be with those characters as central characters. So like if they oh, show up, it might, they might just be like little bits of like it's connected, but it's not the continuation of Ray's story. It'll be something new. You can
0: tell I prepared for this episode, right? Hey, you
1: know what? I I mean, I kind of, I glanced over that paragraph and then I closed the article on my phone. So I can't even find it where it says it, but assuming there is a straight continuation of Ray's story, because when you were talking about that, it reminded me of an art, um, an interview that Mark Hamill did where he had said that the original trilogy was essentially like 007 training to become 007. He gets his license to kill and then you never see him do any of the cool stuff. That was essentially Luke's yeah. journey in the original in the O.T., and then of course there were books and stuff that kind of filled in that, the those stories, but by and large, you know, the general audiences, you know, they're not reading star Wars books now. <clears throat> it would be cool to get kind of rain Finn, you know, the continuation of the Jedi see them just after these huge defining moments in their life, um, carry on and, you know, and further those stories kind of just after the fact I'd be down with that. Absolutely. This, This article kind of says that that essentially may not be happening on the Ben Solo thing. um, If I have to kind of pose a theory, I'm I'm not, I'm not one on on theorizing lately. It's gotten my own kind of headcanon in trouble with expectations. Um, And I think that's something that people should learn how to do. But if, if I could justify a reason for him not showing up as a force ghost at the end of episode nine, it's almost that in his afterlife, If he does, you know, he becomes one with the force, there would have to be, maybe there's a period of time for his atonement within the force. Like he almost kind of, yes, he does. He does something heroic at the end of his mortal life, but may, and again, this is a huge, maybe, and people, you know, if you want to disagree, that's fine. I understand. But maybe there's a time after his death, where there is an atonement within the force before he can manifest himself. To Ray, or maybe she's not ready to see him as a re- like receive him as a Force ghost. I know that's a weird word to use, right? In in the Raylo context, where she's receiving him as a ghost, that's weird. But um, again, maybe she's just not. She received him many times. Yes, yeah. <laughs> sure. Um,
0: Twice on Sunday.
1: Yeah, um, but My maybe been. maybe that's another factor why he why he's not. Again, we don't know. I don't think it's ever been specified like the amount of time that passes between Exegol and when she buries the sabers, but. That's just kind of my thinking, but yeah, don't, don't get your hopes up too high that this story is going to be, uh, you know, right. centered on Ray and Finn and Poe and all that shit. So, cause it's not it, or the way, the way this makes it sound like it, it probably won't. Um, and it'll be something else, which I'm also cool with. Cause I think as of late, the stories that have been kind of the most disconnected, from the Skywalker saga like right now with Andor even though it's tangentially related it's not a one-to-one like there isn't like a single tangent that goes from one to the other words I like Cassian didn't know Luke kind of thing um, right this content everybody has been kind of riding really high about it and then on the other end looking at in the book space what the higher Republic is doing it seems to be received very well and that's not at all connected to anything in the Skywalker saga except for the fact that there are Jedi with lightsabers and bad guys doing shit. So, yeah, um, I I think getting away from Star Wars is is uh, the Skywalker saga is like kind of the natural thing to do. Right. I mean, it's we are going to get back into the continuation of these characters stories, you know, one one way
0: or another. So it's it it, it, it each it always has its buffer period and hopefully it's shorter than the the prequel buffer period cuz we've gotten the connect like but kenobi was incredible if you were someone who grew up during the prequel era mm. you know even not, if if you just ch- tangentially loved if you were around and loved the prequels that was great um you know and i mean the clone wars the the clone wars was the big thing that came out in 2008 so i'm i'm waiting for i always say i'm waiting for the clone warsification of the sequel trilogy um because was it perfect no I still think it was very good. I love what it, it brought to the table. And I, again, I do want more of those stories, but yeah, you're it's, it's at least hopeful that they're like, mm. look, they're going to be kind of tangentially around in this, whatever this is like they're they'll make an appearance, but that gives me hope to, again, down the line, we are going to get a continuation and things like that. Cause they, I mean, use them while you got them, which sounds terrible, uh the <laughs> it's terrible wording <laughs> like but while we've why we have while we have these young actors and stuff you know which it's like if we had done this in the 90s after the movies had come out if they had like went full on into tv and and things like that with the with you know the original trilogy like that's where we are right now we can we can have that we can have our cake and eat it too and so that's mm-hmm. that's my hope i think i won't get it up too high <clears throat> But I do think that they've been holding back a lot. We haven't got a lot of news. I think that they are, I think they're planning a lot of really special things down the line that we're, that we're about to, I don't know, hopefully receive in the next several years. So
1: yeah, there's a part of me that like, I don't want to know the speculative kind of news stories like this Lindelof thing. Uh, Like we've been kind of burned. Maybe in some ways, probably for the better when things fall through, but it, you know, absolutely with the online speculation, it kind of makes the process look bad because we're so hyper focused, if you will, on some of the things that we hear about. That's a thing that
0: five cents, sir. No.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, um, you know, when we get into that much of the nitty gritty and we start hearing that things fall apart, I mean, it's very common within the Hollywood system anyway for things to fall apart. We just happen to hear about it because, as kind of super fans, we the stories get out for us. Um, but talking about kind of the clone Warsification of the sequel trilogy, a good way to do that if, say, the animation department doesn't want to or if Lucasfilm doesn't want to pump the money into doing another seven seasons of a thing or even four seasons of a thing would be to potentially do. Uh, a Tales of the Jedi kind of season two with sequel trilogy characters, um, oh God. and Don't and and and, re- and relating that to maybe other like okay, that was my segue for Tales of the Jedi. I'm just going to come right out and say it. And was <clears throat> this what this show was because we're going to talk about it was essentially three stories about Ahsoka, three stories about uh, Dooku, uh, that thematically uh are very um connected and i -hmm. think with not just keeping it within the sequel trilogy space but since that's what we were talking about i mean you could you could have another set of six episodes where you have three stories about ray and again and if they're animated you could have three stories about I, I, a high Republic Jedi, you know, Keeve Trennis or something. That uh, there's some kind of trials or whatever that they that you, you can Kev. find something them- thematically. Read the comics, in uh, and.
0: Uh, <laughs> no, I have. I love. No, yeah, I have been. Reading, which she's great. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Give give, give me Keeve in, in in animation. I want to hear more Star Wars curses.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> so, like, to have something thematically that can match those two and have that be a thing, or to have even Finn. And, you know, an Elzar man where, you know, maybe Finn has some kind of like Ooh. dark side temptations and some of the stuff that Elzar had to go through with it. Like, that would be a cool way to reframe kind of the in-between space. If there is going to be another movie just to kind of see where they were as opposed to yeah. here's this part of Ray's life that happened concurrently with the sequel trilogy movie. Because I think we kind of saw most of the major points for her. I mean, the writers, there's much more yeah. people than I am they can probably write something in that would make sense for the development of her character, that it doesn't step on anything um, for her character. But um, I just think that that would be a a cool way to go to, to kind of keep them kind of within the psyche a little bit more. And then as a bridge to something that, and they can do that tales of the Jedi thing uh, for all kinds of different characters, Um, not just Jedi. They can do like a tales of the empire or tales of the bounty hunters or tales of the something, and have kind of other stories that, um, aren't just, you know, force users or whatever, but let's get into, not that I don't care about your opinion, but let's get into, oh, it's uh, the the, show- <laughs> the, 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 the shorts themselves. So set the scene for me, Jerry, when you watch new Disney plus content, do you like, are you lighting candles in your living room? you watch at night? Do you watch first thing in the morning? Do you like throw on some like some Star Wars some PJs?
0: Soft, soft uh, sensual music. You've yeah. got some uh, some John
1: Williams lo-fi music playing in the background.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, so for me, um it's a little it it's relaxing and it's not again because i'm very we're very online you know you and i uh, we do this kind of stuff again this is going to sound like complaining it's not i do enjoy doing this kind of stuff talking about it cuz i'm still doing it and mm-hmm. i have to get it out because it's it's at this point it's at this point it's it's a character <clears> flaw <throat> but um you know if you want to watch something and not be spoiled and everything and still like tweet a couple of things in the middle of the day on your lunch break you have to get it in early or again, just stay off the app. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not good at staying off the app. So <laughs> I have been the last couple of weeks, but that's not the point. Um, so what I will do is I will set my alarm for Wednesdays and I've done this with book of Boba Fett and with Kenobi. Uh, I will get up early mm-hmm. before work and watch uh, the episode and, you know, go off. So this past Wednesday I had to make a choice, Right. Um, because we had tales of the Jedi and the new episode of Andor, but I'll get up, I'll make my cup of coffee, you know, I'll, uh, have the lights down low and everything like that. You know, I'll get ready to wake up my neighbors, uh, with, you know, the, the booming, uh, subwoofer that I have. And also, Mm -hmm. uh, my scream mm-hmm. loud my screaming of the f-word at random parts whenever stuff like you know <laughs> uh spoiler alert andy circus showed up out of no out of f yeah. nowhere yeah in this new episode that's andor and uh but luckily i i chose like i chose um what do you call it i chose a uh, a uh, tales of the jedi instead uh to watch first and um i'll tell you i still screamed <laughs> Yeah, I I definitely squealed a few times. I don't know if I screamed any obscenities, Uh, but yeah, no, that's, that's typically what happens for me whenever I get ready to watch one of these Disney plus things. That's, that's my ritual is I get up and, and watch them before anyone is usually conscious. Usually people stay up to watch them. I get Hmm. up early and chastise myself and watch them. So. That's mine. You fl- That's you mine. flagellate yourself with a whip as you're watching it yeah, for I'm Star like, Wars. Yeah, Star Wars, new Star Wars content. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see it. I'm, I'm doing the whole thing. Yeah, I'm doing the whole uh, Paul Bettany from uh <laughs> 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 from when Tom Hanks was chasing him. I, don't, I can't remember, really, you know, anyway. Yeah. You get it. Yeah, that, get it. that
1: was the, uh, the the Da Vinci Code, yeah?
0: That's the one. That's yeah, there the you one.
1: go. Uh, yeah. I have a story to tell you off mic. I'm not going to sit off mic, but when we're done, I have a story to tell you. Remind me. Okay. Um, anyway, good. so yeah, I'm not going to edit that out so everybody else is going to be like, "What the hell are they talking about?" I'm telling well, nobody. I'm going to I'm going to save it for the Patreon if I ever decide to do one.
0: And then you're going to be like, Secret "Oh, shut up, I I friends.
1: Yeah. Maybe uh maybe uh, you know. Um anyway, yeah, so I see I did the opposite. Um I w- I went with Andor first Wednesday morning and and I've talked about this before mm-hmm. my process. I get up, I drive to work, I sit in the car for an hour be- you know, beforehand. I'll watch the whole thing and then I'll do my immediate reaction from the car. So for anybody who mm. listened this past Wednesday, not only did I mention that it was raining a couple of times, I'm sure you heard the raining in my car. Um, <clears throat> if you listen, so I make no apologies because, uh, that's how you're going to get it. I'm like, like, I'm gonna give it to you raw. That's just how, that's just how I roll. Okay. Just it's in the, the moment, nothing, not, no, I don't filter shit. Just uh, just in the moment? and, yeah, so I went with the Andor first, and I didn't finish Tales of the Jedi until a little bit later Thursday. Um, did you watch them in order?
0: I watched them release or like just the way they were released, the way they had them on the thing. Yeah, which they're not now- <clears throat> in chronological order technically.
1: Well, I was going to say that the reason why um, for anybody who maybe hasn't seen it, we're going to go into spoilers for Tales of the Jedi guys um, and for Andor in a minute. But uh, the reason why I ask is because uh, I did not. And for anybody who doesn't know, the episodes are broken up where there's one Ahsoka, um, all three Dooku, and then the other two Ahsoka. So <clears throat> I just figured like nothing against Ahsoka, but we've had so much Ahsoka content that I'm like, I want to learn more about Dooku. So I watched those three first and then watched the three Ahsoka. And Mm. um, I always had the feeling that, you know, there was going to be something thematically connected between these two Jedi, not Jedi characters, you know, two people who walked away from the order. Um, But um, yeah, I, I went with the Dooku stuff first. So we're not going to do like full breakdowns of each of the six episodes, but overall, what were your thoughts of, of let's go with Ahsoka's half first and then we'll talk Dooku in a second.
0: Okay. Well, and so yeah, so I watched them in order. So it's, they start with an Ahsoka episode, then do the whole Dooku arc, then like have two Ahsokas. And um, with Ahsoka's arc, I mean, the whole, uh, the, I mean, we get her birth. Right in the first episode, that one's a very like contemplative, very um, very Zen feeling like episode for a minute. You know, it's just kind of like the nature of the force uh, and everything. Um, but but Ahsoka's arc, I enjoyed it. Um, I thought the middle episode was if that one felt a little more like uh, I don't know if you you would agree with this, it felt a little more like. I heard I I heard someone say describe it as like it's like deleted scenes. It Mm -hmm. does feel a little like deleted scenes. It's not bad. It's it's good. Um, But just like it felt that was the one that felt the most like Ahsoka's didn't feel like a complete arc. It felt like here's Ahsoka's birth. Here's some random parts of her training and why she was able to do the cool flippy shit, you know, in Mm -hmm. the last episode. (laughs) Um, And then we get her, uh, which again, so we, we had her, uh, basically, uh, what happened in the Ahsoka novel essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, happening, which again, there's some, there's some issues that people have had with the retconning of some of that, which is, you know, not, not to get into too much of it. I mean, you know, like it, there's some real issues that people had that are, are valid and everything like that. But, uh, I, I enjoyed the story overall of her stuff. Like I, because her arc seemed to be, with that one, it was, uh, you know, the, the price of, I, what I said about all of these episodes is that Tales of the Jedi is very poignant, but also um, triumphant, you know, a, a, a telling of, here's what it takes to be a Jedi, here's the choices and the struggles uh, of being a Jedi, and mm-hmm. you can go either <clears throat> one of two ways you know you can even and also the like with the Dooku stuff like, look I'm getting too much into all that kind of stuff no, but it's with The, fine. With the it's cool. arc. it was here is she had to be a Jedi even though she wasn't you know what I mean even though she didn't want to be she still had to protect people because she mm-hmm. is more of a Jedi than a lot of the Jedi of that period right like she's a mm-hmm. Jedi of the uh, of the Qui-Gon order as I would like to say you know a yeah. <clears throat> like High Republic era Jedi almost
1: Yeah, I I mean, kind of connecting the two, if you you want to get away from just the thematic thing, I mean, there is that direct Jedi lineage from Dooku to Ahsoka. um, Right. Where, you know, Dooku trains Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon trains um, Obi-Wan to Anakin to Ahsoka. Um, They're kind of like bookends of uh, like ideologies, uh, if you will. So where Ahsoka, you know, in the beginning, the old lady Jantika says uh, Ahsoka is Jedi, which in the beginning, like to me, it was odd that she would say that because just thinking about the framework of that time in the galaxy where, you know, kids were selected or felt through the force selected it, and they would go Mm -hmm. to the Jedi temple for training. They're not Jedi yet. You know what I mean? Like, they're just four sensitive kids right. by definition. So for me, like for her to say Ahsoka is Jedi for me, I was like, no, she's not. But I get like what it is they're saying in the writing that like, she is quintessentially what a Jedi should be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like tr- training or otherwise she is, she becomes the definition of the light for people, you know, thematically where Dooku, on the other hand is what happens when like doubt and fear kind of starts to creep in and, losing what it means to become a jedi um by definition because he was a part of you know the dogma of the jedi you know i mean he was very much of, of that time that you know went on to shape the jedi of of the prequel era um so yeah the the ahsoka stories for me like I, I don't want to be negative on Dave Filoni. I, I don't because I, I think what he's done for the last almost 20 years or so that he's been with Lucasfilm, um, you know, he's given us some of the best stuff, you know, just little nuggets of things. These Ahsoka stories, um, while on their surface may be cool, these were kind of like, it was weird. Like right afterwards, I just, I had this thinking in my head of like, I okay, I with my job, my construction job, I've worked in some like, Candy factories like for Tootsie Roll and stuff. So I just I had this thing of like, Ahsoka's story is this conveyor belt that Dave Filoni's p- puts his ideas on. <laughs> Every once in a while, a little piece of something would fall off and land on the floor. Right there's this little yeah. Dave Filoni byproduct, and that's what these three stories felt like to me. They weren't important enough uh, enough to put into any main story for her. Um, and like I personally like the the first part of it the um, life and death uh, was fine like it just it didn't really do anything for me like as far as shaping Ahsoka's character because she was just a I mean she's a baby she doesn't really do anything except for yeah. like she communicates with this tiger thing and is it does she use is it something that she's using the force or is it that the tiger just realizes that like it doesn't sense any fear from her which could essentially be the same thing but like for her mother to tell her, like you, she gives her this lesson about like, you must respect all life and only take what you need. And she's a, she is an infant. How much of that do you like there's, I'm like, I, I talk to <laughs> hey my man, son. That's their traditions. Yeah, no, I, no, I get it. But, <laughs> but as a parent, I like, I can tell yeah. my son things that when he was a year old, that <laughs> he's not, he don't remember the shit. But so I, oh, no, I, no, no. I, 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 so I had a hard time with, with, and, and again, people, I get it. I understand thematically, what it is they're trying to say and the importance of it, the right. respect for life. Da, 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 da. I, I get all of that. And I think for that story, Dave Filoni kind of put himself in a box because per the timeline, like Ahsoka was ve- maybe only like a year or two later when, um, Plo Koon finds her and, and brings her into the order. So, um, there isn't a lot of time for him to play with the story with, uh, her mother, pop T teaching her these things. So, and I'm sure there were things that had to be repeated to her as she got a little bit older, maybe could comprehend, but it just kind of fell a little flat for me. Yeah. The, the middle one with um, her training with the clones and all of that just felt like a deleted scene for a clone Wars season seven. And then the last one didn't do anything much for me. I mean, it looked cool, but like, I don't see it as a direct retcon of the Ahsoka novel. Um, It it is what it is. I just, you know, I took it at at surface value and just kind of like, okay, here's a story where these things happen. Um, if I, if, if it is a retcon of the Ahsoka thing, what I'm not cool with is like the erasure of a queer character from the Ahsoka novel. Exactly. Um, but again, you if hope you just that's want that's
0: happening off screen, but you wonder why, right? That that yeah. didn't quite make it in. So yeah. like,
1: I, I, I want to acknowledge that side of it, but if this story is not a direct retcon and who knows if Dave Filoni will ever say one way or the other, but if it's not, if for anybody who doesn't know, and you just look at this story, like at surface level, Like, yes, it touches on a lot of the beats from the Ahsoka novel, but I mean, maybe a lot of people haven't read the book. Um, There are the stories and the lessons that are there and they were fine. But for, you know, for people like you and me who kind of know the ins and outs of, you know, generally what, you know, is canon or the, uh, the large sieve that is canon right now, um, you know, those broad strokes still exist and like the story is cool, but the Dooku stuff, I really enjoyed because Dooku is a character that besides Jedi lost and the stuff that we got in clone wars. Um, there's a lot, a lot of specifics about him that we don't really know. And, um, seeing him at these three stages, like the first story for him, uh, I think it's called justice, um, where he goes to help yeah. the senators kidnap son was kind of like, it was like, okay, you know, that's, that was cool. Like, I, I don't have anything against the story, but it was kind of cool to see younger Dooku and seeing him kind of slip a little bit. Um, We're feeling like he's already seeing the corruption of politics and doesn't like it. Right. Um, and there's that part where it's like the worst person, you know, just made a very good point. Like that meme of like,
0: <laughs> he's was, he was I- kind of right. <laughs> I put I I texted in in a group chat. I said I am almost ready to go. Uh, tweet hashtag Dooku was right <laughs> because I saw. A I few mean even people the did. even the senator's son they go to save him and young Qui Gon, which was cool seeing young Qui Gon played by uh, Liam Neeson's son. Yeah. Um. But even the the senator's son was like, I had no idea this was happening, and I'm honestly, I'm fine that they did this because it makes sense. This is this this is despicable. Um. <laughs> was an interesting, like I was personally, I was enthralled. Like the Dooku arc is, is more complete. It feels more like that. That was the main, uh, the main attraction of mm-hmm. tales of the Jedi. I feel like that was, and that was the part I was more excited about. Now, I love Ahsoka. Right. But while hers, I, I felt like there could have been a stronger middle episode for her. Dooku's for me was just, it was, it was great the whole way through yeah um in my opinion, there was a lot of really cool again like yeah you're 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 thinking he's kind of right, I mean, maybe not with choking the guy and killing the guy, but at the same time, like this is very wrong what he's doing, like he's mm-hmm. using his police force against his own people because he's starving them whatever we don't know the ins and outs of exactly what was happening, but it's it's just it was very i didn't expect light tales of the jedi excuse me, not light of the jedi tales of the jedi to get that real mm-hmm. um with things and, and with the corruption and it, <clears throat> I I loved kind of getting that almost real world feel. We've been getting a lot more of that between this and Andor with, you know, real world problems that are happening, you know, in, in our galaxy. Uh, but from a, you know, this very, through this, uh, this lens of space opera. Right. And so, yeah, no, it's interesting. It, it makes Dooku a more sympathetic character. I feel like.
1: It definitely does. And I think, like to see like old man Christopher Lee playing him in the prequels, like you get in like the sound of his voice and everything where it's like, damn, he's a villain. Um, yeah. But there was always something about him that like not having a complete story for him around the prequels, uh, you know, let me rephrase that not having the Canon stories that we have around the time of the prequels. Cause there are some stories that came out in legends concerning do, right. um, to have things kind of reworked as they are now it's, it's painting a a different picture for, for um, where not only, you know, is he a more sympathetic character, but you're understanding the, um, the inner turmoil because on the one hand, he has this like defense preservation of life kind of teaching that he got from Yoda and from, you know, the council and stuff like that. And then on the other hand, He's got, like, I need to do everything I can to save the Republic. And how far will you go to do that? And what you have with those, in the first story, you've got a young Qui-Gon who is this kind of bastion of the light, this ideal of like, what Jedi should be kind of un, un- unencumbered. Um, and then in the second one, you have him with Mace, who is, like, the Jedi textbook. You know what I mean? He is the right Um, he is the dogma you know what i mean Uh, he's the guy like the hardliner where you know and you believe this he's a sith lord kind of thing you believe he's the chosen one kind of like he's this doubting thomas of like if mace and you know if people have been saying this for a long time if mace you know if the stick up his ass got the stick out of its ass he might have been a little bit better in yeah in having uh um kind of like a um letting the force guide him instead of maybe logic um, guiding him so they have again those kind of ideological differences between those two in his life in these times that help frame him uh, at those different points and where he see he is in the third story um which uh, of the six I think this is probably my favorite and I think it's a lot of people's favorites um this is, this story. Uh, the last episode acts as essentially a deleted scene from the Phantom Menace. Um, It happens during the time of the Phantom Menace. We see, you know, Dooku is mourning the death of Qui-Gon out at the uh, Uneti tree. And um, he has uh, this conversation with Yaddle kind of uh, in the beginning, voiced by Bryce Dallas Howard, which is pretty cool. One of the things that I really loved about this short in particular wasn't even about the short, but I love when kind of the general population learns about things that the people who are like hyper into it already know. Like we all knew, like if you right. read the books, especially like the higher public books, like we know that Yattle doesn't have Yoda speak. She doesn't have the same yeah. syntax. She speaks normally. So I was started to see these articles after Wednesday that was like Yoda doesn't speak or Yaddle doesn't speak like Yoda. What will Grogu sound like? And I'm like, Grogu's going to sound like,
0: you know, it's gonna sound like who raises him.
1: Yeah, no, he's going to sound like Ernest from like the Ernest goes to camp movies. Cause why the <laughs> hell not? You know what I mean? Like have him sign however the hell he wants to. Um, yeah. yeah. But I mean, know what I, I mean grief, <laughs> 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 but you know, it's like, you know, Luke says that, you know, Yoda speaks in riddles, uh, you know, yeah. Grogu's going to grow up. However, is, is um he's, he's around, but kind of like bigger picture that, kind of you know just speaking about that it gets into i think kind of like the nuts and bolts of what this series is where you have the i'm gonna get i'm gonna get deep all right i know i know you've read some books jared but i'm gonna get real deep here
0: oh this this
1: series is um it gets into the like the 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 ideas of like nature versus nurture and the id versus the ego right yeah and where ahsoka is the id and dooku is the ego Um, there's everything like externally that defines Dooku and he struggles with that, where everything about Ahsoka is like, again, we hear that when she's born that she is this thing. She is um, archetypical of this thing that Gantika either senses or whatever. She's got some force sensitivity. We don't know. Um, But um, throughout her life, she's not, Ahsoka is not driven by an ego. She's driven by who she, her personality um, where, like I said, Dooku is the other side of that. Um, and if you guys, if you want to know the differences between the, id and the ego, there's books for that kind of stuff. Um,
0: but go, go read.
1: Um, so within the last story, um, we, we see, you know, Dooku is still very much on the fence about how he feels about everything. And he speaks to Palpatine voice by Ian McDiarmid again. So that was cool. Um, and, the interesting thing about this one, was Yaddle's admission that she herself left the council
0: because she agreed with Dooku. That was, that was huge. She's like, no, I quit because I agree with you. Like it's, oh man, there's so much nuance and, and interesting, like just interesting wrinkles added because of all of this, you know Um, we always wondered where she went. I mean, now we know. But, uh, but just to have that little, that was, that was a, a very smart addition. Like, no, I'm with you. It, it really adds more to his turmoil, like to his, to his inner, like, you know, struggle that we didn't know existed really until <laughs> this, frankly. You yeah. Know?
1: It, it, it was cool. Like, but you still see throughout that fight, it almost like Dooku is still like, I I don't like Yaddle's been there for me. Like they have some kind of a past, you know, being colleagues. Yeah. Um even to the end when you know she gets crushed by that door and she has her like her hero's return, where I was like, Oh shit, Yattel's gonna do it. Like she's gonna do she's gonna spank his ass. Um and you know, Palpatine's gonna have to step in and he kills her. But you know, she's obviously drained and she's weak, and it's almost like Dooku's killing her. It's not on his face, because he seems very determined in his decision. But it almost seems like a mercy kill um, when he when he kills Yaddle. It's
0: I don't him know if you trying got that same to prove or not. Uh, no, he like it. Yeah, it felt <clears throat> merciful. It did because he did have that "let me give you peace" thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it was also a like at that point. It felt like Dooku was trying to prove himself to Palpatine, who is the ultimate gaslighter. Um, yeah. Obviously, we're learning here. Um, it just, I don't know, it adds so much to Dooku uh, to go like, well, how much of it was he privy to and how much was he like, I'm just going to do this for a while until I can get things back on track. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, it just I don't, you make—it makes you wonder a lot of things. But yeah, that was very. He was very much like, I don't want to do this the whole fight. And even then there was. There was determination. He didn't show it on his face, but I I'm with you. There was something more behind it. But the I, way know, he chose his words, even
1: <clears throat> he, it's like, he went into that thing with the sense of betrayal because, you know, he found out that that mall was a thing that there was another Sith, And right. I was almost waiting for him to say like, Hey, you told me there was this thing called the rule of two. There's three of us. Um, yeah. Whether or not he was calling himself a Sith Lord at the time. I, you know, that's not really stated Uh, Yattle basically says it um, that he is, but um, yeah. Uh, Now what I want to get into specifically about Dooku um, is uh, he was voiced by Corey Burton uh, for these uh, shorts and Corey Burton did the voice for him during the Clone Wars. Um, So that's not exactly new, but he did an interview with in slash film with Brian Young and in it. um, Corey was asked how he, comes to these voices for some of these characters. Like the idea was always there for them not to really not try to impersonate the actors, um, the real people. Yeah. And at one point he says that he met with Mark Hamill and Mark Hamill had heard Cause early on in Corey Burton's uh, voice acting career, he had done these star Wars storybooks. Um, and he voiced a lot of the actors from the movies. And he said like, you know, he could do Mark Hamill really well. He always had a, a hard time with Harrison Ford, but he said he got to meet Mark Hamill. I'm assuming probably sometime in the in the late '80s, um, <clears throat> and Mark Hamill, uh, you know, basically told him like, you know, I love what you sound just like me. Um, I'm fascinated by this voice work. And Mark Hamill makes this admission that, uh, as much as he loves the craft of voice work, his agent kept him away from it for a long time. He told him not to do it, only to find out that Mark Hamill. Became this very prolific voice actor um, for yeah. you know things like the Joker, you know, and and countless other things. So I thought that was a really cool, uh, right. interesting thing. Um, but in the early development of the Clone Wars, when Corey was uh, working with with Dave Filoni and when George Lucas was still present, uh, he mentions this quote uh, where for the Clone Wars movie. Corey Burton recorded Dooku's lines and then they were overdubbed by Christopher Lee. And he said that Christopher Lee uh, was was kind of reticent to do it because he didn't want to take over somebody else's work. But uh, Corey says, so they replaced me, which was very disappointing because uh, at one of the first uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars sessions, Dave Filoni said that George Lucas had listened to all of our tracks and had seen the first bits of animation and he had a message for the voice cast. George Lucas had said, quote, I'm not doing movies anymore. This is now Star Wars. And this voice cast, you are now the official characters. So play it the way you would play it. Don't imitate the original actors, but do your own natural version of it. You have license now. You sort of own these, these character voices uh, since now it's now animated. which yeah. Now that's, as they were probably recording the Clone Wars movie, that was probably like late 2006, I would imagine, maybe in the 2007. Right the sale didn't happen for another five years. And George already at that point had the mindset of like, I'm done with the movies. Um, <laughs> I right. Like he all seemed to have always had it in his head that like, I want you to do, put your own spin on these things. I don't have sole ownership of this thing anymore. Um, your input is what makes these characters more than I do as the guy who wrote Star Wars for the first time on a piece of paper. So I just thought that was a really interesting thing um, that he would give that much, that much freedom to a lot of these, um, these, uh, these character actors. I don't know if you have anything to say about it or not but I I just thought that no, was No, oh, I'm sorry.
0: Was I was cool. I you've you've been interesting me there because like I'm very interested because again like I haven't really heard any of this and so I was well no, I I'm, I'm here. I was here for your TED Talk there for a second. that was incredible. <laughs> um but uh no, I mean that sounds like George. Like the George is such a grumpy little curmudgeon, but he's in in a good way. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like it's not like the, he's not a, a, a an asshole about it or anything. He's he's like a He's George, you know, it's like he's understandably grumpy because of how a lot of his stuff has been received by the general public. And, you know, all these people who don't make films who tell him how to make films, Um, you know, (laughs) it's, it's very frustrating. So you can see why he's like that. But that's very George as well to go like, no, 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 you do your own thing. This doesn't need to be a copy. I don't want a carbon copy. This is this is yours now. And it's just, it's interesting that they did replace uh, him with Christopher Lee for that first movie It is sad. You know, it'd be interesting to hear his track that he recorded for it if he recorded a full track, but you know, I understand why they did it because you had Christopher Lee to do it. And now we have mm-hmm. that, you know, he's, he's unfortunately passed on, you know, but Corey does an absolute stellar job with Dooku. I mean, and Cad Bane. But uh, especially with Dooku and in this, I mean, he shined, absolutely shined because he there's some intense and very thoughtful moments with Dooku uh, in Light of the Jedi. Excuse me. I keep saying Light of the Jedi. You're canceled. Well, I know. I know. I know. Um, Which I don't. Tales of the Jedi made me want a uh, Clone Wars-esque animated or just an animated uh, series based in the High Republic. Like I want a High Republic series very badly after Tales of the Jedi, uh, because it felt very, if you're wondering the tone of the, of Tale of the High Republic, a lot of it, especially the later stuff we've got when it's a little more like hardcore, it's a little bit more of a triumphant version of Tales of the Jedi, if you ask me.
1: Yeah, I guess I hadn't considered that. But yeah, that's, uh, I can I can see that. Um, the one thing about this quote with uh, with George Lucas is like it's it totally negates the idea of like George Lucas's Star Wars. The fact that he was so yeah. like willing to to give up um, some of the direction for some of these characters that he created to say like no, no no you do it do it your way I'm enjoying the you know, what you're doing um, and uh, you kids have fun just uh clean up right. clean up after you're done <laughs> um uh but yeah i so that's that's uh tales of the jedi and if we get in like a season two or some kind of continuation like how they did like with visions we know we're going to get more um it'd be interesting um dave dave filoni i know you're listening my man um yeah dave do, don't put ahsoka in a season two okay just do something different all right. Give, give me
0: give me somebody else Just give her a little she's about to have her own series Dave it's fine. Yeah, yeah yeah you yeah. know like keep 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 it there
1: which I don't know did you hear uh there was a, a I don't I don't have this in front of me but there was um Ashley Eckstein met uh Rosario Dawson on the set of ahsoka recently no I don't know if you saw that story that. enough yeah and uh according to Ashley she said that you know they they hit it off really well and had a good time and discussed the character okay. a little bit and uh, I mean because if you look at it from an acting standpoint, rosario as i think she's done uh, you know a fine enough job playing ahsoka um i mean she could just she could learn a lot from ashley in characteristics and tone and voice and personality oh, of, of who ahsoka is because i mean she has she has been ahsoka now for almost 15 years you know so
0: yeah oh yeah. yeah she's she besides dave uh ashley's the expert right yeah um but yeah no a it, that that makes sense that they would do something like that to kind of like because then there is like a lot of uh you know people like were upset when it wasn't Ashley who was going to be playing her in live action and, and it's very good maybe kind of like a little like hey guys we're at peace you know kind of a thing like it's mm-hmm. it's cool um that's so that's good for them uh you know things of that nature and and all the other issues that come along with that notwithstanding we'll, we'll leave those to the side right now not, yeah. not dive into that kind of stuff right now. But uh, yeah, no, that's that. I did not hear about that. That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought. Yeah, I no, thought no, Dave, just leave cool her. Story, leave so. her. We're fine. Yeah, give Sorry, her a breather, man.
1: Ahsoka's busy. She got shit sure going on. Um. But um, yeah. Speaking of somebody else who's been pretty busy at least this last week, uh, Cassian Andor got himself a job doing shit Ooh. that he don't want to do for people he don't want to do it for. So. Yeah. Let's talk about. I never identified eight.
0: more with a, with a Star Wars character, <laughs> like I've never, I never just th- thought I would see like jobs that I've done, yeah, you know, or like that I currently do. Like, like I'm, I'm in manufacturing still, but I used to be in a more manufacturing like him. And oh my God, did I have some trauma this week <laughs> watching Andor? Yeah, man. <laughs> um, so l- let's get into uh,
1: episode eight, Narqina five of uh, of Andor. And for a lot of us, like we sound like broken records when we talk about the quality of this show, how good it's been from week to week, that arc structure of the first six episodes and this one kind of leading off what would be kind of another arc. Um, The tone of this episode, as bright as it was, like physically bright. Was very mm. bleak. I think throughout. Oh, you know, th- this is one of the few episodes that, like, the the level of a hope is like way the hell down uh, during yes. the course of this episode, kind of for everybody. Um, but what 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 are your vibes total for uh, for episode eight? What'd you think?
0: Um, it was, for one thing, episode eight was brilliant. Every episode is is good, and it's always like Andor is a show that has made me, has, has given, has traumatized me and given me like, like I'm scared of star Wars things that I, I've never thought I would be scared of. Like Mm -hmm. the, they made the empire, not that the empire wasn't a threat before, but they've made the empire feel. And I think a lot of it comes from how they're doing it very realistically and it's dealing with a lot of issues. We unfortunately deal with in our real world that it makes the empire way more terrifying it makes it <clears> scary because it's that real thing of, again, when they're shoveling him off onto the, the transport to go to prison, you see the fear in his eyes and it's, that is real. And that is scary. And I was like, Scott, that terrified me for him. Cause we know what Imperial prisons are like from, you know, various things. It's not the best. They're not great. <laughs> they're yeah. not great. I didn't expect this one to be really not good. In a real world sense, though, and like, I know that not our our prisons don't have electrified floors and stuff, but that they got there and they're like, oh, by the way, you're going to be our workforce where you work at a factory now, which is like, don't that's not a that we said we joked and said job, that's not a job. That's that's that you're using these people as slaves. This is slave labor is yeah. what you're doing, which is a very and real
1: thing. For, forced labor in the American prison system is a is a very real real thing.
0: Um, it's very and it's
1: terrifying. Yeah, yeah. This whole episode
0: like is stressful.
1: You want to talk about how bleak it gets? I mean, a dude kills himself in this episode by jumping on the floor. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um,
1: That was so. That was so real. (laughs) To to hear like the responses of the other voices, where it's like, "Oh, I mean, now we got to smell that all night," and I'm like, "Yeah, a a dude
0: just died, (laughs) man! Jesus, it's insane."
1: Um, but that I, I watched it. I watched it again today, and like some of that conversation yeah. right after he dies, like people are saying, like, um, like he'd been losing it for a while. Like the guy had like these signs that he was kind of like at his wit's end. But it's right. still like, in, it's probably something that happened probably frequently, um, or at least enough to you know where the other inmates could be somewhat desensitized to it. You know what I mean? That's
0: kind of the vibe. Yeah. God. Oh, absolutely. What are you gonna do? You're stuck there right so you can't like we can't keep crying for these dudes you know like it's it's i know it's sad it it shows how how bleak like you're saying it's absolutely Mm -hmm. bleak and uh yeah uh i did find it uh interesting that we got a there were two moments in this that i went oh (laughs) one of them was we got a character from rogue one our first like character from rogue one that I I don't think anyone else is going to pick up on unless you are as obsessed as we are. But Melshi from the final battle in rogue one on, on Scarif is there with him, which I, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you were as surprised as I was to see Melshi of all characters show up. I was surprised to see him in this episode, but
1: I remember the actor, it was one of those like rumored things that he was going to be popping up. Oh, really? I just, I didn't know when the rumors, like what yeah. is what his connection was going to be with Cassian? Because if he's in the show somewhere, how do they meet? And now we
0: find out that they they met. They were they were prison buddies. Um, yeah. As much as anybody, this, it's can an be interesting. Prison, but... Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting. I kind of I kind of dig it, and I'm kind of excited for the adventures of Melshi and and Now you know
1: he's like his character in this episode is like he's very no nonsense. You know what I mean? Like he. Yeah there's that scene kind of midway through where all of the other inmates are starting to ask Cassian, like what's happening outside with the P O R D. And he's like, I don't know anything about that. And it's like Cassian has this ignorance because he's so, he was so close to the eye of the storm that he did not know how torrential things had gotten for anybody. Cause all right. these people are talking about like their sentencing's were changed and like, they got more time and this and that. And Mel, she's like God, laying into him. And it takes, um, you know, uh, Gollum himself to step in. Uh, Andy Serkis,
0: which is another like, <laughs> when who who said you could be in this, Andy? That, Nobody, you didn't tell me. That was the other thing that was the other thing like when he popped on screen i literally that was i went oh <laughs> <Like how loud. laughs> uh, there were like movers moving someone into my apartment building like, i'm sure you could hear me in the hallway like oh like what is like <laughs> i was like why is he here and of course you get the inevitable articles is he playing snoke no yeah he's not playing goddamn Sno- he's not snoke
1: Yeah, he's not Snoke. He's just, he's
0: a character actor who can play many people. Let the man play multiple characters because he's that good. He's a chameleon.
1: That was was something that uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this, but Toby Haynes, the director of this episode, did an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, and uh, they talked about a lot of stuff specific to this episode. One of them was about Andy Serkis being involved, about like, with him being Snoke, like, are you guys okay to kind of deal with people are going to theorize? And he's like, yeah, no, 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 no. Like, we. And he's just a fantastic actor. We wanted to give him as much screen time as we could because with minimal things around him, like you have to set these parallels of him. And this is me saying this, not Toby Haynes. He did all that mocap for Snoke and had to bring him to life. Here he is as this kind of like pit boss in nothing but white rooms, bringing all yeah. of this character to him with all, like literally almost nothing to play off except for the other people in the room. um, and he was fantastic at it.
0: Oh, yeah. He, he shines. I mean, he's like, you're terrified of him. And also, like, I, I, <laughs> I want more of him is the thing. Like, OK, yeah. well, I want more. Like, maybe does he have a change of heart or something? Or is he just a complete, like, you know, again, like you said, like a pit boss this whole time? Yeah, that's absolutely him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think they're building? It feels like it feels like something to do with TIE Fighters. And I don't know if that's just because it's like the the spindly little things, you know, it looks like the spindles inside of a TIE fighter like mm-hmm. wing or something. Um, but and I honestly don't know. It feels like they're building something that makes that they're gonna figure out and go, we gotta stop this, <laughs> kind of a thing. Yeah. You know? I, I mean that's what I the was, Empire's always building. They're always building weapons, horrific weapons of destruction. You know, yeah,
1: I, I was thinking about it when I did my second watch this morning and I, I was like really looking at those things and I was like, yeah, they do kind of look like the, the wing hubs for X wing. So I went and started looking at like the cross section images and I was like, you know, it's kind of not really defined. The only thing that suggests that they're not is mm-hmm. that the end pieces that stick out, they bend. So I'm like, yeah, are they, like- are they like, because all six of them do, it's not just that four, like a few of them do where like on the, like the TIE advance or the TIE interceptor where the wings kind of come in a little bit. Um, I'm like, why would I, so I, I still have no idea what the hell they are. I did joke. Uh, cause I put up like, what do you think they're building? And I said, they're building hopes. Uh, rebellions are built on them that I said, <laughs> yeah, they're assembling hopes rebellions. are built on them. Um, and then to find out like Ken Napsok on their breakdown, I like, had the same exact idea. And I was like, Oh, look at me sharing brainwaves with, uh, Oh, Ken Napsok. That was pretty yeah, that, cool. With
0: another pit boss. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'd be thrilled to hear you say that he's a pit boss. Yeah, no, um, no, not not the anti-circus type of pit boss. It's fine. Anyway, no.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um but again, this is another one of those episodes where so much is happening through dialogue and through um like reading people's faces. Case in point, the scene, like Mon Mothra's party scene, where she's talking with the other senators, and she's basically listening to them justify giving up some of their freedoms. And you can see on her face kind of like as like one says more and more like worse things about their acceptance of this, of the empire of like, she's kind of like just sinking down a little bit until she kind of cracks a joke Mm. to the one guy. And she says, "Um, I'm afraid of what your definition of wrong is because the guy says like, it's okay if you're not doing anything wrong. And she says uh, something about that. Like, I'm afraid of what your definition of wrong is. Um, guys, you're going to hear me flipping papers here because I wrote this in an actual paper notebook, like a caveman. Um, it's very,
0: yeah, yeah. Very star Wars of you. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's a little bit of a paper ASMR for, uh, all the weirdos out there. Um, so yeah, a lot of cool stuff there. They had that weird ass drink, um, that they had
0: the squigs. Yeah. Or squigs. Yeah. They- and,
1: and then they had their own, um, I think I wrote it down here, their own, um, their own like toast. Sagrona is like how they, how they toast on Chandrilla, So yeah. I'm going to start using that. And people are going to be like, fuck off dark. And they're going to hit me with a bottle. or something.
0: <laughs> There's going to be a lot of Sagrona at, uh, at the next celebration. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Um, and the one job that, uh, the jab that, um, take home, says to, um, to parent where they talk about charity. And he says like, oh, well, I'm, he's like, well, I'm about to go feed myself or something like that. And Tay says, uh, charity starts at home. And I was like,
0: Oh, that was <laughs> like, so good. Woo, as he's walking away, <laughs> he stops and goes like, <laughs> <That was so laughs> like good, Oh, F that dude. F that yeah. dude. So hard. Not in the fun way. No, no. He's yeah. 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 He, he's just, a, Oh man. He's such a bitch.
1: <laughs> like, yeah. It's like Perrin parent is like trying to get these lines in where he says something about, uh, Mon Mothma trying to save the, the empire from the emperor by trying to feed all his people. And then he's, that's when he says he's going to go get something to eat. And Terry starts it up. I was like, Oh my yeah. God. So um, good. Yeah. Um, those party scenes are, are something else. And I, a lot of that too. They're is, my favorite
0: part, honestly, right now. Not the, like I just, I, I really enjoy seeing Mon Mothma kind of like work her way, like the espionage type of thing, you know, like at these parties.
1: Yeah, well, what I'm getting from some of these scenes, especially with her and Take Home, I forget the actor's name. Um, there are a lot of long takes between the two of them where there isn't a cut. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not yeah. single shot for the whole conversations, but there's from that point when he does that with Perrin, Perrin walks away, they walk around the bar, uh, to the point where the, her where Lita, her daughter, walks up is all a single take. Of their conversation, and they're not short yeah. sentences. You know what I mean? Like, it says something about the acting prowess again of these of these uh, actors. They so have to memorize these lines that are like political, like just star, like Star Wars jargon
0: um, manifestos within and of themselves. Again, yeah, of a of another galaxy. Yeah, yeah. absolutely
1: so it, it it is really, really cool to see um that um that level of 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 um acting I've just been saying this like masterclass acting and all of these things, and I don't know obviously that's that speaks to the talent of the actors that are in the show, but like what that says for the direction of the i think three or four different directors we had for the series so far that they're able to get that different people to be able to get those kinds of performances out of the same actors um shows the level of commitment that the actors have towards these characters on top of the excellent direction that they're getting. So much so that a scene later on where um, Luthan goes to meet up with Saw on, um, when is it? Uh, Sagra, Sagramilo, I think the, is the name of the planet.
0: Oh, was it Sagramilo? I thought it was the, uh, oh man, I can't think of the front that they were, to uh, the... Ah man, whatever wherever that massacre happened that that ended up making um Mon Mothma leave the Senate. Oh, the Gormans, the Gorman front. Gorman. I thought it was the Gorman front. Yeah, which I mean, it could still be the Gorman front and be in the like a different system or something. Yeah,
1: when when Luthen's in his ship, he he tells um uh, David W. Collins uh, to take the long way around to Segramilo.
0: Um, that's where they meet up in that cave. And like that's what we like. Is David W. Collins, isn't it? I completely missed that. Well, you Um, see, you see again. I look up. I look stuff up. Yeah.
1: Anyway, and and you're the Canon junkie. Go figure. Um,
0: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Life, man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we, you know, we get a a good look at two tubes for a couple seconds. We got that awesome black and white X-wing. We see Moroff strutting around in the background. But that whole conversation between Forrest Whitaker and Stellan Skargard in the scene where. Luthin is basically saying, I've got some parts that I can sell you, um, but I'll give them to you for free. If you go meet up with uh, this guy, whose name is uh, Anto Krieger, who we don't know who that is yet. Um, yeah. And Toby Haynes says about this scene of having these two together. This is a, again from the Hollywood reporter. He says uh of, Stellan and Forrest, he says they really went at each other and there was this incredible tension in the room as they read the scene, seeing Forrest Whitaker do that was just absolutely magical. And to have him play opposite a heavyweight like Stellan was a career highlight. Um, so oh, yeah. I can only imagine being in because the thing about Forrest Whitaker's Saw Guerrera, and I mentioned this on the immediate reaction I did a couple of days ago. Um, he will take these pauses in his speech to think where you can almost hear the wheels turning in his head before he says Mm -hmm. his next line. He is so methodical in his speech. He is And a long, long time ago. I used, I used to do short story writing. I have one story published, right? I had a character in a story who did not talk a lot, but when he did, it was always very poignant, at least for my thinking. And as a descriptor, I had him one person say of him that he was a champion of verbal economics. That is oh, wow. Guerrero. right? He oh, yeah. knows he knows how to use his words and think about what it is he's going to say to get the most impact out of his words, um, because he's keeping Stalin on his or keeping Luthen on his heels a little bit um, with what it is that he's telling him to the point where it becomes confrontational. When he says right. like to hell with Anto Krieger, I don't care about these parts. I'm not going to deal with him. He's a separatist. Um, and you get all of this, you get the disjointedness of what this kind of part of the, the Alliance is. Cause it's not in, in an Alliance yet. And just for kind of canon sake, I want to, I want to bring up the list that, that saw mentions. So he mentions, um, uh, Ansel Krieger as a separatist, he says, Maya Pei is a neo-Republican. He mentions the Gorman front, the partisan alliance, sectorists, human cultists, and galaxy partitionists. And we've known that there are these multiple fronts. But what seems to separate Saw from all of that, something that Luthen says, is that Saw is able to get his own capital to fund his own part of the movement. So that gives him the freedom to do these really heinous things on his own. Like are talking about rebel rising in yes. that. Um, and it allows him to be that kind of confrontational with Mon Mothma that much later on, because he has his own autonomy to say like, I am the only one who is capable of doing these things. Uh, he says that he's, he says he's the only one that has clarity of purpose um, in his conversation with, right. uh, with Luthen. But his, the evolution of Saw from from Clone Wars into this and then into Rebels has been so and Rogue One, obviously, has been so seamless. And it's a gift to have somebody like Forrest Whitaker want oh, to come back yeah. into this role repeatedly to give that kind of continuity.
0: No, he uh, he's come back in Rebels. Right. And and yeah. um all the even even the actor who uh like whenever he shows up in uh when, when Saw the character shows up in Bad Batch, it's the it's the actor playing him from the Clone Wars, but he's even starting to put some of that Forrest Whitaker into uh the way he talks. Thanks. Yeah, I everything. think that
1: was um Andrew Cashino, I think, did the voice of Saw. Yeah. When Forrest couldn't do it. Yeah.
0: But that's would, and, you know, like, again, Forrest wasn't around whenever he first came around as a character, right? Like, back in the Clone Wars. But uh, that, I don't know, like, the, the fact that we have Forrest um, willing to come back and and do all of this kind of, like, building up to it. Saw that Guerrera has become, um, that's a character that no one ever saw coming back in the day, mm-hmm. right? That like And now has become such an integral figure I guess to the rise of the rebellion and everything kind of like this almost shadow of the rebellion. Like, you know what, what, like an, an existential argument of like, you know, what is the right way to fight a fascist, you know, uh, power mm-hmm. and things like that. Like you play by their rules or, or not, you know, um, I don't know The saw Guerrero is endlessly fascinating to me and I love that he keeps popping up and I hope we get more of him. I hope this isn't the last that we get of him there. And obviously it feels like it's not because they are, they're trying to talk him into like meeting this, this separatist character. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. That's, uh, yeah. Endlessly fascinating.
1: Yeah. There, there's so much in what they're saying about their own kind of methodology because Luthan almost seems tired. You know what I mean? Like there's the scene earlier with him and Clea where she's telling him to shut down Farrick's. Um, when mm. when Bix is trying to get a hold of him and I mean, we don't know how long Luthen's been involved with all of this stuff obviously for uh, for a while but um right he almost seems like he's trying to like hand the reins off a little bit and like Clea I don't know if it's like a like youth like comparatively to Luthen but like she seems to be more aggressive than him Um, where Luthan is, I don't want to say he's softened over the last couple of episodes, but like, he's not the same guy who was yelling at Vel just a couple of episodes ago. He doesn't seem, he doesn't feel the same way. Um, but he, you know, is telling Saw, we need the, he he says the line, we need the empire's help in, you know, making things harder for civilian populations. And then he says, um, oppression breeds uh, rebellion, I think is the line he says. And yeah. saw's follow up of what are you Luthen? I've never been able to figure you out. And Luthen's admission of I'm a coward. I'm afraid that the empire mm-hmm. is going to go so far that we won't be able to fight them anymore. Um, he's like Luthen is like the doomsday prepper who doesn't ever want to use the bunker.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. It's like it, it's there, but I don't want to use it. Yeah. Absolutely yeah no he's um he he is one of the most interesting characters that they've they've been putting we've been getting a lot of really interesting characters like this year especially with you know uh with Moses Ingram in uh Kenobi and then with Luthien here um it's just these multi-layered like they're not quite black and white they're gray characters you know they're they're realistic uh they feel like real people mm-hmm. and uh yeah that's i don't know luthien has had some of the best um speeches and just like ways of talking about things you know it's like you you don't want to agree with him but you know he's right with some things with like the you know oppression breeds rebellion kind of a thing like the whole like when mother mothma is like you know, people will suffer he's like Uh, I forget the exact line he says, but it's like they will and they need to or something or or good or something. He says something like, yeah, they, they will, people will suffer before, you know, and they need to, uh, so that we can get to where we need to go. Yeah. It's, it's that
1: very, um, by any means necessary kind of um, ideology where Mon Mothma, I mean, and, and early on, she was the one that was like, do you know what, like, do you realize what, what you've done to now she's like, she's funding the rebellion with her own money. Um, which is insane to think about. Um, But probably the most real person on this show so far uh, because of some of the characters around him has been Cyril, uh, Cyril Karn. And the show, it starts with him sitting in his uh, little cubicle uh, to find out he's been like falsifying reports about Cassian. And that's what gets him on the radar of the ISB and Deidre telling him like, Hey homie, uh, st- stay in your lane let the big dogs handle this like you're just a pup um, but what do you know and you know to find out yeah. that he was forced to sign that report and all of that stuff um, but what I found most interesting with him uh, after kind of Dedra shoots him down and tells him like we can't use you he's got this smirk on his face he almost has like this little smile as she leaves the room like what do you think he's what do you think he's on about at this point? And she told him like pump your brakes, homie, like let us handle this. And he still is like What do you think?
0: I, I don't I think he he's got something up his sleeve. I think that he's got so like he's, he's I don't think he's gonna become a good character. At all. Like, I don't think he's, I don't think he's turned into the light. It seems like he's very much like, I mean, he has the line of, uh, if he, if he has a heel turn, it's going to be like very surprising. Mm-hmm. But the way he said, what is it like, order at any, co- like, you know, is there, are there any extreme measures or whatever, uh, you know, when you're pursuing order kind of a thing? Yeah. I think he's got something up his sleeve. Like, he knows that they're going to need him. They're going to have to come back to him. Like, he's, he, it seems like he's hiding something, like he's holding something back. I also feel like he's just going to kill his mom. Frankly, I feel like he's going to go Norman Bates, full Norman Bates (laughs) and kill his mother. Well, Um, you know
1: what? I'm sure there's a lot of people that would be okay with that match aside, but I, uh, yeah, that's a, that'd be pretty dark.
0: Yeah. It's, it's going to be pretty, well, I mean, this show is the bleakest I think we've had in, in a while, but, uh, yeah, have, uh, I'm okay with that, Major Side, but also at the same time, he is not a sympathetic character. He's not like like you got the feel for him just because of his 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 issues with his mom, but then he goes and he's like, "I want to pursue order at any cost." Like, no, no, sir. I'm sorry, I can't be down with you mm-hmm. <laughs> personally. So. yeah,
1: he's uh, yeah. He's, I don't know, what do you think? We we watched so my wife and my son are, they have not been watching with me. And last night we watched the first two episodes. Um, and immediately <laughs> my wife goes, I don't like space Gabe. And I was like, <laughs> everybody's been calling him space Gabe." I'm like, I'm so g-. And she was like, what are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm so glad you caught on that. She's like, well, he looks like him and he's kind of a dick. Uh, and I was like, yep, that's, <laughs> that's him. That's him. It's space TV. Gabe." So I'm like, you nailed it. Um, but I did like, one of the scene transitions where they show Cyril sitting in that like interrogation chair and his leg is shaking, and then it cuts yeah. to uh, Cassian's feet. Um, is that there's a lot of weird like. Between this and like House of the Dragon, like there had been some weird feet shit going on. In uh, I don't know if you're caught up on House of the Dragon or not, but like I don't want to spoil I actually don't.
0: No, I'm I'm not know i am i I'm not much of a House of a Dragoner, but okay, it's that's fine. That's fine. I just,
1: okay, so all I'm gonna say is that there's a character who has a foot thing, and you know how gross like the, the Game of Thrones stuff can get. So like, this was, this was a character, this was a when show I hear that this,
0: was like the tamest thing from Game of Thrones is the, is foot, foot finish. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so disturbing
1: though, man. Like what the way that they, it's, it's fucked up. Um, but it was like, I was like, yeah, they, they wrote this episode for, uh, for that dude. Um, and I put up, I put on Twitter, it was like a picture of the character whose name I'm forgetting. And I said, uh, this dude, this dude legit just said, uh, I watch Andor for the plot, but, uh, yeah, it was all about everybody's bare ass feet. interesting um but uh, yeah just that um that um the parallel of those two just kind of in that like you know just kind of showing their legs their feet kind of in in the beginnings of that because i think that's still like very early on before cassian is even shipped off to Narquina five and like he's for his however long he's going to be in this jail like he has to live under the lie that he is Keith Gergo, which I said it last week, like, man, you couldn't come up with a better name than Keith. That's a stupid fucking name, man. I'm sorry. I hate that. I hate that name. Um, But uh, yeah, I don't know. There's not a whole lot else to say about this episode. Like, I feel like we're we're forgetting a lot. Oh, one thing. Okay. So the crew that they're working with to build whatever the hell they're they're, they're building for the empire. There's the one guy with the red hair. His name is Zal. X-A-U-L. There's a couple of times where he I didn't catch it the first time around watching it, but there's a couple of times where he like flashes a look at Cassian like he doesn't like him for whatever reason. And I can't pinpoint what it is, but I'm like, every time I see him, I'm like, this is a sheisty motherfucker, man. I don't know. He's got something going on. He's going to.
0: Yeah. But he he's not got, he's not got good intentions. Most likely. No, I'm like, is he going to,
1: is he going to be like the prison snitch
0: that like, I mean, this prison breeds that right. Like, so you don't get shocked and things like that. The
1: whole thing. Like, and, and this is like one of those kind of like, like again, me reaching for symbolism kind of thing is that there's how the empire is working both at large and in this prison is that they are pitting the people against each other. And there's Mm -hmm. a line where they talk about, like, the Empire being up in the thing. I I think, like, when Cassian's talking to Melshi after they meet, they show the guards up top. He says something like, God, they're probably laughing at us right now. And I want to say some of them says something about, like, they have control or they have power or something like that. And Melshi makes this comment of, like, they used to. Something like that. And it's like, mm. Mel, she's already got this idea in his head that it's, it's the people that really control things if they can all band together. But everything about how that prison yeah. is structured is that they're all being pitted against each other to make the most cogs in a day. And, you know, the winner gets flavor in their food tube and the losers get shocked. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's that idea from the sequel trilogy of like, it's just people is still very much ingrained in what Star Wars is, you know, chronologically going this point back. It seems like Melshi has already has that that kind of thinking that if they can get everybody together, even though he seems to have some animosities towards what Cassian doesn't know, um, that they'll find some way to to break the bonds of um their servitude. But do you think there'll be a jailbreak from the outside, or do you think it'll be them planning something to get
0: themselves out? Oh man. Um, I don't know. I think it might be from the inside because you get that whole scene where they're like communicating uh, from the, the different tubes, the different hallway tubes Yeah. Uh, throughout there, the like uh, those, those uh, yeah, those floating walkways. <laughs> um, that was, I, I think it's coming from within. I think Melshi and them have a plan. I think they're getting something together and Cassian's going to get in on it for sure. Yeah.
1: I think the other prevailing theory is that Vel would be, is trying to find him and will somehow find out that he's there. Because, you know, Clea made it sound like they wanted him dead because he, know and even Luthen says in this one, you know, having me being in his head is kind of like not a good thing. Um, But on that note about Vel real quickly, like finally some acknowledgement of a gay relationship on screen in Star Wars between her and right.
0: And I it's funny because I saw people being as like, there are people who are so dense who were like, like I guess didn't see like they were upset. They were like, Oh, we don't have to confirm that blah, blah, blah. blah. And it's like, bro, it was all but confirmed. Yeah. Um, like just get used to it. There are gay people exist and they're in star Wars. They're in space as well. Um, it's fine. Um, but yeah, that, that was a very, very awesome thing to have finally in there. Cause it's very clearly, if you don't see that, as the relationship that it is, I don't, you are purposefully trying to not look, um, yeah. honestly, but like, yeah, it's, it's good to have that on screen and we need so much more of that, like so much more that needs to be on there. And I'm, I'm glad that Andor is finally uh, picking that up and we're confirming stuff. And yeah, yeah say it, say it out loud. Yeah. I and mean, and, and
1: and as those characters exist, I mean, Sinta, you know, basically, uh, volunteers to stay on Ferrex, waiting for cassian to just show up and yeah. Val, you know bell says to her well what what cover would you use and she throws that dig at her by saying oh maybe i'll just tell him i'm a, I'm, I'm a rich girl running away from my family um yeah with some insight into bell's kind of backstory but yeah man there's there's so much about this show that every episode as we're approaching like the inevitable conclusion we know where things are going to go for some of these characters the tension has been real throughout i mean this is a taut, you know piano string every week and oh yeah um the show has every week seems to raise more questions in a very organic way without it being like the um dun 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 what will happen to our character? like it's not cliffhangery type episodes right but so much happens you know from the time the title card comes on and the and the credits pop at the end that all of these questions are like how do these characters how are they going to progress to the next point without xyz happening to them that everybody's speculating on because i'm assuming these writers are a lot smarter than us where i don't want to be right about everything um right but, It's, it's been so fascinating to get into the heads of these characters in a way that we haven't really gotten with um, the Star Wars storytelling outside of, of the books. Um, And I think, I think, I want to say it was Steele on a Patreon show he did with, um, with Hawes for Blue Harvest. He said that like the book of Boba Fett and Kenobi are like really cool comic books for Star Wars. And Andor has been a really, really cool novel um oh yeah and it just totally. feels that way because I, with that. you're getting so much more out of these characters um both in exposition and just in like body language and how they're how they're acting um but yeah I, I don't have too much else to say do you have anything else to say about the episode i think we kind of ran it through the ringer kind of like uh our dudes on uh Narkina five were this episode
0: oh yeah no uh only uh that you know uh I don't know, man. Like, just go and support uh, uh, projects that are <laughs> go and support uh, uh, like Last Prisoner Project or things like that. Like, we're, we're get as many people out of the, those kind of situations as we can, because it, it it just reminds me of of how bad things are in real life. But also, just no, like, watch Andor. Just watch Andor because it's doing a lot of important things. Um and please be less dense than the person that I I literally saw. I don't know if you saw. I think I shared this. Someone said, "Guys, we need to support Andor because it's not like any. It's like the gritty stuff that we're wanting to watch with none of the politics." And I'm like, "How are, how are you this, (laughs) how are you this stuff?" And I think I shared it and I I I shared the screenshot with the comment. uh, Imagine what it's like to be a brick wall with a Disney Plus account, like, (laughs) like. How do you watch this show and not see the the utter politicalness that it's, yeah. it's throughout the entire DNA? But but no, watch Andor. It's very important. It's very good stuff. It's, you know, um, there's a lot of good Star Wars that's out right now. And like you said, you know, you've got the comic books that are out and you, the good comic book shows that feel like or the shows that feel like a good comic book, like Steele said. Um, and then this, it feels like an Alexander Freed novel or yeah, something, exactly. you know? Yeah, it really does feel like that. And it's, it's brilliant. I love it. We're getting so many different flavors and we, we're living in a, it's people, this is very cliche to say now we're in a golden age. We are in a golden age mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's, it's entertaining. So we're, we're, no, in, we're,
1: thank you we're, for, we're in the, like a real world high Republic for star Wars.
0: We really are truly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what? And I, it, as we're like wrapping up, I'm still like, we didn't even talk about Marva. We didn't talk about Bix and Brasso. Oh like I There's fear so for much... Marva. I, I said this last week real quick before, before we wrap up here, but like, I just had the, like the, a, as we I was talking to Lauren last week. Yeah. Shout out to Lauren for even coming on. Go listen to galactic podcast. Love
0: Lauren. Um, Go listen.
1: Yeah. And like the fear that she would, that Marva would die while Cassian's in prison and can't be there to protect her. Like oh, she God. seems to be, lo- she seems to be losing her faculties a little bit. And again, with the yeah. rewatch of the first two episodes last night, there's mention of some characters that bring her her medication in, I think, episode two. So she's got some underlying ailment that's been there. So yeah. she's in danger, you know.
0: Yeah, it's 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 very, uh, and we we don't like it's interesting to get this almost Alzheimer's esque uh, story in Star Wars. It's very... because yeah. I both my grand are. I had my both my grandmothers uh, suffered from Alzheimer's and mm-hmm. everything and that's it, it's a hard thing to watch someone go through and and to see it portrayed on screen like this is it's heartbreaking but it's also just yeah it's 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 a testament to the writing and the the topics that this show is covering that is it's groundbreaking. This show is groundbreaking for Star Wars. This show has done things that Star Wars has never done. And also uh Brasso is a real one and uh I don't know like I don't if if you don't like i i want more brasso like brasso needs to get involved with the rebellion somehow but at the same time i just kind of love brasso just as this dude who is like a real dude who's going to protect people no matter what like even if he gets involved in the rebellion or not you need real people like that just kind of out out in the world and we need more brassos walking around that's what i'll say so absolutely
1: <laughs> absolutely well i think that's a good place to end uh jerry thanks for coming on this week um in uh, chatting for the last, uh, we've been talking for almost three hours, even though there's two hours recorded now. Um, oh yeah, but, you guys um, don't get
0: that extra content. Yeah.
1: If anybody wants to go uh, listen to or watch the worst podcast in the history of podcasts, uh, where would they find the Bombadcast?
0: <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for having me on because I'm very <laughs> honored. I don't get asked to come on very many shows, and this is why because we go for two hours. Um, I like to talk, as you can see. But oh, yeah. if you want to find uh, me on Twitter, you know I'm, I'm at the Cannon Junkie. Uh, that's Cannon with one N. And um, you know uh, we can yet yeah, look up uh, the Bombadcast if you Google it. We're the only th- the Bombadcast in existence. So um, come and find us. Uh, we do a live YouTube show uh, every Thursday night, a live YouTube experience as we like to bill it. And uh, it is just that it isn't an experience. You never know what you're going to get when you show up. And so we'll talk Star Wars mainly, um, but you'll get uh, some hilarity and some uh, some hijinks uh, involved in that as well. And, and uh, but again, Rick, uh, thank you so much uh, for letting me come on here and uh, talk your ear off, man. This has been a great time
1: yeah man you know having guests on these last couple of weeks has been has been a real treat and I, i've wanted to have you come on for a while um really ever since uh you guys had me on over there um at your uh shit show that you guys do and uh yeah I, oh it is I, I, show? listen listen people and people listening you none of you are allowed to say that only i am because i am the number one patron for yes. Cast. i was the first pa- patron like a whole month ahead of everybody else on, because I happened to find it on Patreon and uh, nobody right. even cared. Nobody even cared enough to look Jerry, except for me. <laughs> I was the only one.
0: That's fine. Listen, it's fine. Uh, yeah. Rick has paid for the right. So please be nice to us. The rest of you. Okay. Yeah. And, and me, me and Rick have, we have beef quote unquote. Yeah. We, me and Rick, we, we hate each other quote unquote, as you can tell from this entire episode, we're two, we're two men who hate each other. We do. Um. Yeah. Very, very much so with a passion, but it's great to be here, buddy. Thank you. Oh. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Once again, thanks for coming on guys. Uh, it's been, it's been a lot of fun having you here, Jerry talking, uh, talking somewhat serious about some Star Wars shenanigans. Um, but uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us. Uh, listener. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Cad Bounty. You can find the show at JT Comlink. Give us a follow. Uh, I like seeing um, those numbers kind of creep up ever so slowly. Do it. Yeah.
0: What are you doing if you're not following them? Please do I it. know.
1: I mean, if you're just listening and you're not part I mean, I don't really do shit with the account anyway. It's just there. But I mean, come on, guys. Just, it, what, helps. What, what it, it helps. Would it, would it hurt you to just hit the, the follow button? I mean, come on. Um, oh. You can also send us in some emails and complain about the cast to me directly uh, <laughs> at uh, <laughs> comlink, uh, C-O-M-L-I-N-K at jamtransmissions.com. Uh, you can find the show. Um, pretty much uh, anywhere you find podcasts, like on Spotify, where you can review the show or uh, rate the show. Reviews are on the uh, Apple Podcasts. And uh, we have a website that uh, I never ever plug. And all it is, it gives you links to all the back episodes. It is just jamtransmissions.com. You can almost find us on our hosting site at Podbean. That's where all the shows are. But uh, that's going to do it. Uh, If I have one bold prediction to make for next week, it's going to be that uh, Mieber Gascon's in season nine. But uh, before Jerry can refute any of that, I'm going to, no, you don't get to speak anymore. You're done. And um, we're going to end right there. Jerry, thanks uh, one more time. And to everybody else listening, uh, may that force be with you.